Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1526, the topic is training and the title is Method for Progressing Your Main Lifts. So I was talking with one of my business clients and they're a uh, coach for a power thing and strong man and they wanted to improve training and nutrition knowledge as well as increase their earnings so I've been talking to them about how to manage their clients nutrition and then we were talking about different training ideas and we got on the topic of using loading intensities and I thought that would be a fun podcast so I wanted to share what we had kind of talked about and then hopefully encourage anybody who wants to try this kind of stuff to go for it <laughs> so Loading intensity is what we were kind of referring to, was the concepts of underloading, normal loading, and overloading. And I've talked about them a little bit before, but it's been a while. And essentially what you're doing with overloading and underloading is you're trying to change how hard an exercise feels. So that way it either feels really hard with lightweight, that's underloading, or it feels really hard with heavy weight, and that's overloading. So what we're looking here is underloading would be exercise variations that make it harder to use your normal weight. And I'm going to go through and give you some examples here for a bunch of different lifts. And that's kind of the idea. As you end up using less than normal weight, therefore it's less overall stress on your joints, on your body, on your CNS. And that's in a sense an underloading. You're not loading it to a normal amount, you're underloading it. Whereas overloading, it's making it easier to use above normal weights. So therefore you end up using more than normal weight and that's overstressing, over pushing on the CNS and the joints, but that's a great way to get the body to respond. So all this stuff has to be controlled properly, but it's a really cool way to play with how you push the nervous system and especially strength response. So it's super fun when you train strength athletes because you're training them in a different way than you would train like a bodybuilding type athlete. Bodybuilding, you're training the muscles for growth. Strength athletes, you're training the nervous system to increase in strength, and that's a whole different beast. It's really fun, super exciting. So what we would have here as examples is if we think of squats, an underloading technique would be a paused squat. I can't squat as much with a pause as I can without a pause. So a normal squat, you don't pause. But if I start adding a pause, I can't use as much weight as I normally would. Therefore, it's going to feel super freaking hard, but it's less weight than normal. It's an underloading technique. Whereas Hatfield squats, if you don't know what that is, you can pause the podcast and search that for on uh, YouTube. But a Hatfield squat is you typically use a safety squat bar. If you don't know what that is, you can also pause the podcast and look that up. Uh, you use a safety squat bar, and it allows you to have your hands free. You don't have to hold on to the barbell. So you then hold on to something in front of you uh, and actually pull yourself up. So you're using your leg strength plus some arm strength. And that upright position, uh, it tends to be a pretty good position for people to really drive through and get an overload into their legs. Uh, so it's a really cool technique for overloading the leg portion of a squat. 
Now, if we look at bench press, if I do slowed eccentrics, I like doing this for myself so that way I'm strong and I'm creating good muscle damage and good positional control throughout the whole lowering phase of the bench press. So I'll lower the bar maybe for a five count for two or three reps, then lower it for a three count for two or three reps, and then lower it for a normal speed for two or three reps. And on all of those, the concentric is normal. So I might lower it for five, four, three, two, one. It touches my chest, and then I go poof, back to the top. So it might be like a one count back up. And I love that. That's a fun way to do uh, a blend of strength benefits as well as getting more muscle damage so it leads towards body uh, bodybuilding and muscle growth. So I do slow eccentric. Now with slow eccentrics, there's no way in the world you're pressing as much as you normally would with a normal speed eccentric. So that's an underloading technique. But an example of an overloading technique would be reverse band bench press. I also love that. My dad and I made, I think, like the only standalone overload bench press there is. Uh, but we made that, and I use a lot of reverse band bench pressing because it helps you be able to unrack and start the movement with much heavier weight than you normally could do. So it really builds uh, stabilization, builds positional awareness, it builds confidence and just the ability to feel more under control of heavy weight loads. So it's a really cool technique. I use it a lot for female bench pressers because they have a hard time being able to bench enough weight uh, to cause significant muscle damage. And also male lifters who are, who are weaker, where they're maybe struggling to bench their own body weight. There, you just don't get a lot of muscular stress, nervous system stress, if you don't get a heavy weight load. So we use reverse band benching to kind of uh, soup up and boost that uh, nervous system load. For deadlifts, you can do halting deadlifts or paused deadlifts where you, you, you get the bar to leave the floor, but then you stop. And then you have to continue to go. It's horrendous. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's really good for positional awareness and learning how to push through the legs, not pull through the back. So that's a really good technique, but that's an underloading technique. Whereas an overloading technique for some people might be an elevated deadlift. So rather than lifting it off the floor, they elevate the bar two inches off the ground, and they find that to be easier. Uh, depends on the kind of the torso angle of the person and different body types, but that can be an overload technique for some people. If you think about an overhead press, uh, if I'm doing a seated paused press, that's horrendous. <laughs> and it is definitely an underloading technique if you're thinking of a normal press as a standing strict press. So then an overload might be a standing push press. And maybe you'll use you know rack supports so you're unracking the bar off the supports rather than J-cups. And that way you don't have to fear the eccentric control as much and you can just go nuts and try to drive the bar up. Or in our gym we have a machine called a Sornex Hurricane which is a fun, weird machine that you can do some pretty uh, crazy overhead press work with and not fear that anything's going to fall and kill you. <laughs> so that's pretty fun. So those are examples of underloading and overloading exercise variations. Now, when we think about considering how to kind of create a program out of this, we, we want to vary the loading phases for the lifts that we want to focus on. So if I'm only focusing on one lift, say I want to get my squats up while I train everything else the exact same as I normally do, then there's no worries. Just cycle through, go for a, a month of a programming in underloading, a month in normal loading, then a month in overloading. Then you can cycle back through, and I'll talk about that here in a second. If you're doing two lifts, you want to make sure they're not in the same loading phase. 
So if I'm overloading my squat for a month, I don't want to also overload uh, my overhead press or my deadlift or anything. You want to let the CNS have the stress of the one lift, but not double that up. So if you're trying to boost three lifts, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, maybe your power lifter, do not have all three in an overloading phase at the same time. You'll just die. Uh, you might make it through that phase, but you'll get crushed in a future phase because you haven't had enough time to recover. So you want to vary the loading phases depending on how many lifts you have that you're trying to, to go through the intensity waves. And I'll give more on that in a second. Then what do you do with your accessory lifts? We tend to, what I like to do, is to do the complete opposite of the loading phase that I'm using on the main lift, I do for the accessories. So if my squat is in an overload phase, I do underload variations of my accessory lifts. If my squat's in an underload phase, then I do overloading phases, uh, variations of my accessory lifts. So I, if it's in a normal, then it's a normal. But I tend to, if I'm getting into an overload phase for a main lift, I then do the opposing thing for the accessories. And that's a good way just to balance out uh, some of the connective tissue damage and stress and the overall stress of the technique itself. Now, also what's interesting to, we have to kind of pay attention to here is when I'm in an underloading phase, I would want to be in the higher end of my volume and or kind of time under temp, uh, tension ranges. So rep ranges or volume loads. So if you typically do a five by five, when I'm in an underloading phase, you know, maybe I can push that and do six by five or seven by five. If I'm in an overload phase, I want to actually do a lower volume. So I'm going to only do two by five or three by five. So when you're in underloading, you're using less weight than you normally can. Therefore, you can do more total work. If you're overloading phase, you're doing more weight than you normally can. Therefore, you should do less overall work. So those are things to consider when you're kind of putting this all together. An example of how to kind of wave these, if we're looking at squat bench deadlift, because that's what the client and I were talking about, was if I'm doing my first three-month wave, I'm going to have month one, and you can write all this down if you want to, uh, or you can email me, brunlionjim at gmail.com, and I'll send it to you. But we want month one, you would underload variation for the bench press, and you would use that same variation for four weeks, try to progress on it in four weeks. So that's like month one, the first four weeks of the program. You're going to underload variation of the bench press. You're going to do a normal loading of the deadlift and an overloading variation of the squat. Then in month two, so after those first four weeks, we switch exercises. We're going to go to an underloading variation of the squat because we just came out of an overloading. So we want to give the squat time to recover. So we're going to do an underloading variation of the squat, a normal loading of the bench press, and an overload variation of the deadlift. Then month three, we want to do an underloading variation of the deadlift to give the deadlift time to recover. We do a normal loading phase of the squat, then an overload variation of the bench press. So that's your first three-month wave. Now, during that phase, you don't want to be one rep maxing on anything, really. You're just trying to refine technique, kind of push your body to progress. But when I'm in the overload for squats, I'm not going for one rep max. I'm just picking a very heavy, aggressive variation of the squats. And maybe I'm doing sets of twos and threes. But the first month, I mean, the first three-month wave, you're just really trying to refine the movements, try to get good with technique of things. And then the second three-month wave, 
is when you go back through the same phases we just talked about, but you push for PRs. So this waving intensity sets you up to PR on your squat, bench, and deadlift uh, twice a year. Now, you can modify this. Some people do different types of waves. They might put their squat and bench together, then their deadlift on a different day, and then they can get through this a little bit faster, maybe peak out three times a year. There's a lot of different ways to set it up. But this is just a really fun way to set up your programming that can really help push you past the plateau. So if you've been kind of stuck in your squat, bench, and deadlift in any one of them, setting up a program like this really helps to push you out of that plateau and really kind of spark some newness for you. So I definitely would give you, a, you know, advise that you try this if you've never tried it before. Now, if you're writing this for clients, I would try it first before you, before you write it for your clients. Uh, but it, it's super helpful. And if you, know, if you noticed in the setup that I gave you, I have the deadlifts. They're kind of following the squats. So if the squat just went through an overload phase, the deadlift will be the next lift to go through the overhead overload phase. It's better to squat fresh so that way it's safer and you have a better kind of like strength outcome. You can always deadlift a little bit fatigued rather than you can squat fatigued. So think of a powerlifting meet. You, you go one rep max on squat. You get an hour or two to eat some food and relax. You do one rep max on bench press, hour or two to eat and relax. And then you do one rep max on deadlift. You always deadlift fatigued. But people set world records and they kick ass at it. So if, I, if I'm going to set up a, a wave, if something has to be last, deadlift is the best one to kind of be after your squats. Make sure you're not getting to the end of it and your squats are the last thing to be destroyed uh, they should actually be like the first or second thing in the waves that gets a chance to do PRs okay well that was like uh, the 10,000 uh, foot view of how to do uh, loading intensity waves but I thought it would be fun to kind of talk through that and just introduce that as a concept if you've never thought of it or were aware of it you can now give it a shot so again, email me at brewlironjim at gmail.com if you have any questions, and I'll be happy to answer them and give any more specifics in a future podcast. Cool. Well, if you like our podcast, please share it. If you share it on social media, let people know that we answer questions for free, and they're welcome to reach out to us at our email, brutalironjim at gmail.com. Thank you to those who financially support the podcast. The podcast is well over $1,000 a year for hosting costs. I give an hour to it every day, and we're going to keep it for free. So thank you to those donations you can do at our website at www.brewlironjim.com. Options for a one-time donation, monthly donation, yearly donation, even just $5 a month. It does add up, and it does help. So thank you to those who do that. It really makes a big difference, and it allows this to be a better business decision because <laughs> it's not as much of a financial loss and time loss. So thank you very much for helping towards that. If you like the information we share in our podcast, I am posting more and more on our social media channels. On Instagram, I post every day, pretty much, and I'm posting a lot more on YouTube, so check those two places out. If you have any questions, feedback, suggestions, anything that you want to know, let us know at our email, brutalironjim at gmail.com. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.